Welcome to Tranos and the Lived Experience, a podcast confronting current events, politics, comedy, and calamity, all from the perspective of a trans titaness. She's a verbal black belt, skilled in the art of roasting, the hellmouth, doomsayer, CEO of the Amazon position. Here's your host, Cameron Ellen Terrell. Welcome to Tranos and the Lived Experience. I'm your host, Cameron Ellen Jarrell, a.k.a. Tranos. Say that shit with your whole chest, or I will double stomp you in the face at a church event. This is the show that is asking, how long does it take? So today's episode is titled The Pied Piper. Why the Pied Piper, you ask? Well, we're going to get into it. Picture this. It's June 26th, the year of our Lord, 1284. You live in a small riverfront town called Hamlin in what is now Germany. You bear witness to a king, mayor, however the story might have come to you, letting you know for certain that this king is not going to fulfill this duty that they, um, this contract that they entered to with a strange man and multicolored children. You laugh, you snicker, you go about your day. At some point during midday, you start to hear an eerie sound, almost like this flute flout. And as you start to hear this eerie sound, all of a sudden, your children spring into weird action, leaving with not a single word. Not even acknowledging your calls. You watch them all walk down to the middle of the town square to meet this multicolored Pied Piper. To own, to then seconds later, 130 deep, walk out of the town square and into the woods to be followed to a mountain that suddenly opens up and then 130 children and the Pied Piper disappear forever. So I know you're like, like, what the fuck is Cameron talking about? Why the fuck is she going on and on about this fucking fairy tale? And how does it tie into today's episode? Two words are Kelly. So for 30 years now, we've known for certain uh, through lots of uh, weird actions taken on by Mr. Kelly about his propensity to charm children. On August 31st, 1994, Robert Kelly married Aaliyah, who was at the time 14. 1994 in August, I was also 14. And as a 14-year-old child, something about that marriage and the tabloids and the rumors just didn't didn't seem right to me. Now, I'm a 14-year-old child at that point, and I had been through lots of sexual assault myself. Um, but something about an adult male marrying a child just didn't sit with me. But living in the neighborhood that I lived in at the time, which would be considered like the west side of Rochester, um, and still hearing R. Kelly's music on a daily basis, uh, 
proved to me that the disappearance of Aaliyah's innocence wasn't as big a deal to the rest of the world as it was to me. I tie in the word Pied Piper because R. Kelly himself chose the moniker of the Pied Piper of R&B music. Now, Mr. Kelly's not a dumb man. Like He has uh, been reported to have a lowered reading level and comprehension of writing. But that fairy tale was not lost on him. He knew for certain that the Pied Piper was in its essence a story about a charmer of children. So in watching the surviving R. Kelly series, the tie-in for me was how easily we allowed Mr. Kelly to walk off with the innocence of young black women. 30 years of him just moving from city to city, snatching up victims as he moved. All the while, our generation just kind of allowing it to happen. Now, there's this huge argument now that he's been found guilty of these crimes. And because of the dates in which uh, uh, some of these crimes happen, they can't be pinpointed down to the moment. So he was charged with nine charges of racketeering, which is normally a crime that you see happen to mob bosses. What that charge is stating is that in the propensity of him doing his work, that he used his business to acquire his victims. He used the power wrought, the power that was given to him. Now, the story of the Pie Piper if you know it, it's about plague rats and things of that matter. And how this man was contracted by the mayor or king, depending on which story you were told or read, to rid the city of a scourge. Hamlin being like a grain town in pre-medieval times uh, with lots of ports, um, especially near water, it attracted what would be known as plague rats, big black waves of rats that ate grain and cloth and tore up storefronts and made people uh, sick, caused all kinds of mischief. This merely 80 years before what was known as the Black Plague would wipe millions of early Europeans from the earth. In this fable, it says that the piper did what he promised. He played his flute and suddenly um, waves of vermin followed him out of the town and to the water never to be seen again and when he returned he asked for his payment from the mayor only to find himself locked out of the city's gates not allowed to return that uh, <laughs> he wasn't going to be paid because the mayor slash king and the townsfolk believed that he did no real work with the use of this pipe and this flute that he had that they couldn't be considered work that, so that he should not be paid or be given entry back into the city. He vowed at that moment that he would seek revenge on the unjust and dishonest and um, he would return. Fast forward to June 26, 1284. This is supposedly the time in which he returned. And on that day, 130 children disappeared from the town square of Hamlin, never to be seen again. So, once again, you're like, Cameron, what the fuck are you doing? How are you tying this together? How are you connecting these dots? So the Pied Piper is supposed to be a fable that teaches us a lesson about 
uh, turning a blind eye about dishonesty, about not living up to our own rules, regulations and, and, and promises made contracts that we form as a society. The contract that we formed as a society is that we protect the innocent. Fast forward to modern times, uh, black children, primarily black women, don't find that to be true. We have done nothing to stop the Pied Piper of R&B from feeding on youth and, and black women. And, and we, we've done nothing to stop that in three decades. It took the voices of thousands. It took the victimhood of hundreds us watching on live television this man um interview with gail king and make a spectacle of himself not only that but he also like put his victims on display to defend him like how cowardly and there's this argument now within the black community about whether we can separate his actions from his music uh make no mistake about it as an avid listener of music we have to so we have to make sure that his music is not separated from his crimes. His music was the weapon in which he was given the vehicle to do said crimes. Every time he came under scrutiny for his actions and his uh, his his doings around young women, there was always some hit that he would make to make us forget. Step in the name of love. I believe I can fly and so on and so on. There were always a reimagining of what he really was and what he really was. It was a monster who would sexually assault women, young men of the black community, mostly that he can tout power over and that their voices wouldn't be heard. That was a purposeful move. It was just as purposeful as the choosing of his name, Pied Piper. It makes me um, kind of sick to my stomach. To think that we have to have a debate on whether we should cancel or mute R. Kelly's music. He used the power that we gave him. He used the celebrity. He used the accolades specifically to do damage to black children. Why are we debating this? We, we are not upholding the contract as society of protecting the innocent. I know you're waiting for a laugh or a joke, but it's not a laughing matter. Uh, it's kind of been on my heart. And hearing that he was found guilty of these things doesn't take away from the fact that we allowed this to happen for literally more than half of my life. R. Kelly came to power, came to his rise in fame around 1991, 92. By 1994, he was committing these atrocious crimes in open forum, and we were allowing it. It almost caused the destruction of Aaliyah. Aaliyah was pregnant by a 27-year-old man at the time who bribed like clerks for a marriage license, married this child, from August 31st of 1994 to February 7th of 1995. And we all just moved on afterwards like he didn't do it because he made a couple records. It's odd now that he left us little breadcrumbs all along the way. 
Age Ain't Nothing But a Number was the name of Aaliyah's first album. And he had a hand in it. He changed the persona of her. He took away the innards of her. He aged her up. He told her during interviews that she wasn't allowed to divulge her age. He, he did everything he could to make her appear to be a grown woman at a time where she was in early teenage years. She was 14. She was 14 years old when she got pregnant. She had been on the road with R. Kelly for at least 18 months by that point. There was witnesses to the things that he was doing. Most of them being young teenage girls. And when young teenage girls of the black persuasion speak up, we always silence them. R. Kelly has been a monster right in front of our eyes. And it's not something that he hid. Think about all those weird interviews back in the day that he had. Uh, uh, specifically the one where he was asked, does he have an affinity for teenage girls? And his answer was, when you say teenage girls, how old are we talking? He was 34 at the time of that interview. We as a black community have um, an obligation to start slaying these kind of monsters. We're failing little black girls and little black boys all the time. Because we choose to cover up actions like our Kelly's. Our Kelly... R. Kelly a, a, a victim as he would want to put it that these things happened to him that he like that we're trying to kill him that these are stories but there's a hundred women saying the same thing about you Mr. Kelly about the violence about you keeping them away from food about you changing their phone numbers without telling them. About you keeping them held up in apartments and hotel rooms. About you isolating them from their families. And all we have to show for the 30 years of terror that you put them through is a couple of fucking albums. The Pie Piper is a fable about how we should be honest in all our business dealings and our societal law and every rule that we make. I'm not sure that the Pied Piper as a monster truly exists from the fable other than the existence of R. Kelly. Most of the stories that we have from back in those days, those fables are lessons that we should learn. The lesson here is that we cannot blanket statement things um, such as we protect the innocent because that's not what we've done. Historically, that's not what we've done. We haven't protected black women since we started seeing them brought over here on ships. In large amounts, we just don't protect them. We don't protect them and as a nation. We don't protect them in our communities. We don't protect them inside of the culture. Too often we turn our heads and we see fucked up shit. And we allow it for the achievement. I know we all want black men to succeed but it can't be at the forfeit of the safety of women. And the existence of R. Kelly's crimes for the period of time that it lasted is a failure. It really is. It just kind of disgusts me to sit back and for like the last week since 
they announced him being charged and they announced that he was guilty before this whole sentencing goes thing goes down that there are still like men black men defending his actions looking for loopholes in what he did bottom line is he he took the most precious thing from some of these women a childhood innocence and hope for the future he was introduced to them as like this hero, as like this shining thing. And then us wrapping him up in so and allowing him to thrive despite the many, many, many threats upon children that have happened during his career. He was still allowed to be around women. Let's talk about his early career. It was reported that R. Kelly could be found pulling up to the like local high schools in the Chicago downtown area as a 27 year old man bringing a team of bouncers and security guards with him and just kind of recruiting children like teenage women I think the oldest uh, was around at the time was around 17 that's right on the cusp but there's a long life lived in between 17 and 27 and a lot of control, like authoritative control that lies in relationships that start that way. A lot of people are like, why? Like, why would you look like, why would you let somebody just like tell you what to do? I mean, children are always constantly being told that we should respect what elders say and that we should do as we're told from from when we're told by a person who's older than us or per, told by a person who has more lived experience from us. Like he he prided himself on finding that it was always like the hopefuls the girls who came from nothing who just wanted to be dancers or singers wanted to create with r kelly because they believed and they loved the creative parts of him because he was able to charm them into believing that he was going to be something that he did not intend on being a mentor a big brother a watchful eye what he really was was just a man Wanting to feed his appetite and finally given the ability to do so with his money and his fame. He had all the tools to charm them. If R. Kelly was just some dude who worked at a McDonald's or a Kinko's, he wouldn't have had the draw that he had. And let's not forget about the whole uh, pissing tape. I was real kind of I was kind of really discouraged as a youth when I heard about the tape and then was told where I could purchase it. Let's talk about that for a second. So we're saying that we know that there's a tape that exists where R. Kelly is having sexual relations with a 14 year old girl. We're all agreeing to that. Yes, we at that time, we were all saying that's R. Kelly in that video. The ones who would watch it or purchase it or buy it now. Let's talk about the part that we left out. R. Kelly's in a tape. The 14-year-old girl peeing on her, choking her, penetrative sex. All of those things are happening in this tape. Which, by the way, I did not purchase. I did not want to view because of the statement I'm going to make. It was child porn. Tell me where I'm lying. Tell me where I'm lying. R. Kelly was viewed in a tape that could be bought at a Chicago swap meet with him and two other minors in it. 
And this was bought and purchased by the community to see him doing these things and then to very quickly deny it as being him. He was taken to court for certain reasons. He was taken to court before for that tape and he was acquitted because um, mysteriously, the girl, the 14 year old girl at the time who was in the video um, did not want to testify. So he was acquitted, even though there was evidence of it happening. Time stamped evidence of this encounter. He was let go. And when he was let go, the community embraced him again like he did not violate children on camera. And right around that time was when he released the hit, I Believe I Can Fly. Because it had the church vibe and there was massive amounts of childlike voices in the background singing. We forgot that he was a child predator. We allowed him to be this uplifting vocalist who, um, who would sing to the masses about inspirational things such as Space Jam and Mike Jordan. Church pastors pushing for him to come to their churches because they got more donations and more patronage than they ever saw when, when he was around. Willing to sacrifice black women, black children, black girls for his image, for asses and pews, for tithing. Looking back at it, it was all, it always felt wrong to me. It always felt wrong to me. And there would be times where I'd catch myself singing R. Kelly's songs. There would be times where I would hear things that he was doing and I would forget for a moment that he was a predator. And that is the draw. That is the power of his music. That his music is tied to almost every large life event that could happen in a black person's lives, marriages, family reunions, summer cookouts. There's a jam for every last one of those situations. And was it tailored for that? Was it tailored for us to take our minds off of who he really was and then buy into this image of him being like Uncle R. Kelly? As you're debating back and forth on whether he did it, there's evidence of it. As you're debating back and forth on whether these victims are just speaking up now because of money. Ask yourself, would you be asking that question if it was a sea of white women? If every last one of his victims was a white woman or a white boy. I didn't see the disinterest in R. Kelly heightened until we found out that several of his victims were boys. Now, R. Kelly could be seen as a child predator and predatorily gay and once you add gay to the mix then you start losing followers <sighs> he fought tooth and nail to keep that essence that that image of him squeaky clean but there was so many chinks in the armor so many breaks in like the echelon of what he was who he is i'll never forget watching the surviving r kelly um documentaries and when I watched them I was like I was alive while all of this was happening I remember these songs I remember these reports I was a child when the first one happened when the marriage with Aaliyah happened I was a child 
But when the urination video happened, I was like 17. There was three years in that span. It was like almost like the first acquittal. Well, the first covering up of what he did. It was almost like R. Kelly had become invincible, kind of. Looking back on it, the adoration that we gave him, the accolades we gave him from his songwriting and his voice and his performances, we forfeited reality, like... For that whole time that we were like standing in like in the presence of a like true predator. Some of the stories that these women tell are like horrific. And I know a lot of people are now choosing to side with victims. But we but we should have been doing that. The powerful always choose to feed on what's seen as weaker. And you know what the weakest thing about it is, is the resolve of those who would dismiss victims. All of those women were blamed for being money hungry, like, or all of those women were blamed for being groupies. Sparkle lost her whole career because she chose to defend her friends, her family, her niece. She forfeited her whole career and we were cool with that. But now all of a sudden, we're demonizing R. Kelly for things that we can track back 30 years. Oh, I don't believe in a magic flute. There's no such thing as a magic flute is what skeptics would say when they hear the story of the Pied Piper. Well, maybe it's not a magic flute. Maybe it's magic vocal cords. Because every time R. Kelly opened his mouth and made another hit, we allowed it. We allowed another tragedy to happen. We allowed him to go on tour and meet another little girl. We allowed him to buy up floors of hotel rooms and keep girls trapped in rooms. We allowed him to deny little, like to deny his partners, air quotes, food. We allowed him domestic disputes and, and, phys and physicality in the midst of rooms full of grownups that were on the team of R. Kelly. Now I ask you this, R. Kelly has been charged with all of these crimes, but he was undoubtedly helped by lots of people to make these things happen. There were people who watched. There were people who helped. You can't bribe a state official on your own. You can't just walk in and do it by yourself. Before I get ahead of myself, while we're listening to this episode, this episode is also brought to you uh, by the meetings of music and marijuana. Today's song is Symphony of Destruction. And the strain is called Dubai Poison. I'm going to take a short break because this has been a kind of somber episode. And I'm going to take a small hit of this. And then we can finish this up. You hear coughing. Be an adult, grow up. It's marijuana. You're not coughing, you're not getting off. I needed that. The Dubai, the Dubai cook poison kind of gives you that calming effect and all of that. And you got to be calm when you're talking about this kind of shit. I did a lot of research to find the holes in my stories, to find the, the break and the disdain that I feel for R. Kelly. And it just solidified it. There's just hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of stories about R. Kelly's actions around young women. Like him showing up as a full grown adult without his children 
to middle school girl basketball games. Him going to almost every shopping mall in the Chicago area with a team of dudes to look for girls. Him pulling up to high schools and limousines. Him auditioning teenage girls without their parents' permission. Him inviting girls to leave their state to be with him. It's been happening for 30 years. Now, what's what's a what sentence should suffice that like what sentence could he pay that would justify justice in everybody's eyes? Because he should go to prison for the rest of his life if you ask me. But there's a group of you who believe that because of his music, he couldn't have possibly done it. Elvis Presley was 24 when he married a 14 year old. Jerry Lee Lewis married his 13 year old cousin. Motley Crue had several run-ins with young teenage girls and early-onset abortions. You name it. You name a genre of music as far back as Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart. We've just allowed musicians to take advantage and to steal innocence from children. The Beatles. (laughs) Oasis. It's, it's so weird that like when female lead singers or female vocalists or female artists marry someone three, four years younger than them, they're called a cougar. But we've watched male artists for hundreds of years bed down children and we just allow it. Ted Nugent, that gross right wing cuckoo bird piece of shit has on several occasions been arrested for being with children. There's more of an uproar when it's a white child. I want you to remember that the king of rock and roll air quotes can't be the king of something you stole. Uh, The king of rock and roll married a 14 year old. This episode has been brought to you once again by the pairing of music and marijuana. The song is by Megadeth. It's Symphony of Destruction. The strain is Dubai Poison. There's going to be a part two of this episode. I simply can't pull it all into one episode right now. It's just it's very draining. <laughs> um, take some time and think about the things that I've brought forward here. And if you'd like to know more about the Pied Piper, feel free to use that world library in your pocket to learn about something other than the Kardashians fucking relationships. My name's Cameron Ian Ellen Jarrell, also known as Tranos. Say that shit with your whole chest or I will hurt and can run you in this fucking Denny's. <laughs>